Welcome to Better Animal Handling, Chapter 2, Episode 14. Center, Missouri, USA. I'm C.B. Chastain, your guide to better animal handling, and Abby, my cattle dog and workaholic co-host. Say hi, Abby. <coughs> Our goals are to improve your knowledge of why domestic animals from Chihuahuas to Clydesdales act as they do and how to better handle them safely and humanely. Today's chapter is on health and behavior. Our topics for this week are psychological health, and stereotypic behavior, nutraceuticals, and animal behavior specialists. Illness or injury can markedly affect an animal's tolerance to handling. Handlers should always observe the animal's overall appearance, locomotion, interactivity with other animals, consciousness of the environment, evidence of food and water consumption, presence of fecal matter, the appropriateness of the character of feces relative to the animal's own species, and appearance and quantity of voided urine. It's natural for predator animals to become defensively aggressive if ill or in pain. Common maladies are injury, arthritis, skin sores, and febrile infections. Conversely, prey animals tend to attempt to hide their illnesses, some will fake eating and minimize lameness. They'll become more social so they do not stick out from the herd. True behavior of sick or injured animals, especially prey animals, often requires containment and familiar surroundings and monitoring behavior unobserved with hidden video cameras. Determination of psychological stress in animals is qualitative. This tempts some people to anthropomorphize that certain situations are mentally stressful to animals, which may or may not be the case. Attempts at quantitative measures have traditionally relied on the measurement of serum or salivary cortisol levels and heart rates. Both are parameters that change within minutes and are affected by multiple stimuli. Meta-analysis of salivary cortisol studies in animals has indicated that cortisol is a single parameter and without context of duration of possible stress, gender, and other effectors of cortisol concentrations is unreliable as an indicator of stress or welfare. Visible reactions of animals to situations that induce apprehension, fear, trust, respect, and pain are very similar to observable human reactions. Recognition of these similarities is not anthropomorphism, it's pragmatism. Experienced animal handlers can recognize these primitive basic feelings in animals, as well as any human can recognize the visible signs of fear, pain, and other basic reactions in another human. Failure to appropriately thrive and repetitive alterations in normal behavior are reliable indicators of stress in animals. Stereotypic behavior is dysfunctional behavior. 
usually induced by stress and influenced by genetics. The stresses are often excessive confinement, barren, boring environments, or isolation from their own species. Stereotypic behaviors are characterized by repetitive actions with no obvious purpose. Common types are usually forms of pacing or oral behaviors. Example stereotypic behaviors include circling and pacing in mice, feather pulling in caged birds, cribbing and weaving in horses, tongue rolling in cattle, bar biting in sows, belly nosing and tail and ear biting in pigs, and wool eating in sheep. The percentage of confined animals that show stereotypic behaviors can be an indication of the degree of stress from excessive confinement. Stereotypic behaviors are most common in stabled horses without turnouts, caged birds without cage enrichments or time out of their cage, crate-confined hogs, and pig-confined hogs without environmental enrichments, and chickens confined to battery cages. Observed stereotypic behaviors may relate to the current environment or to past environments. Once a behavior has been established, it can become permanent due to alterations in primitive brain function. These behaviors are not seen in wild animals or those with relative freedom and adequate stimuli for mental exercises. Still, the lack of stereotypic behavior does not provide good evidence of good current or past handling or good confinement. Animals raised in a barren environment during their socialization period are more prone to stereotypic behaviors. Abby asks, if she doesn't have a TV monitor in her crate, isn't that a barren environment? Just ignore that. She's unusually high maintenance. Nutraceuticals are over-the-counter food substances administered by mouth with the intention to improve health or have medicinal benefits. They are not considered pharmaceuticals and therefore not regulated the same as drugs. Often the efficacy to achieve the proposed effect has not been proven. Some nutraceuticals have claimed to have beneficial effects on animal behavior. L-tryptophan is a large amino acid that's a precursor to serotonin. Tryptophan dietary supplements are administered with the expectation that serotonin levels in the brain will increase, improving mood and behavior. However, the clinical benefits in humans are insignificant, and the behavior improvement in treated dogs has not been scientifically validated. Melatonin is a hormone produced by the pineal gland in the brain and also by plants. Oral melatonin administration is proposed to treat insomnia in people and modulate fear in dogs, but the proof of efficacy is currently insufficient. Alpha-casozepine is a trypsin hydrosylate of the mammalian milk protein casein. It's been associated with a decrease in signs of anxiety in dogs and cats, but the evidence is weak and more studies on clinical efficacy are needed. Theranine is an amino acid found in tea leaves. Reduction of anxiety in dogs and cats has been attributed to oral administration of theranine, but more studies are needed to confirm these claims. 
Health claims in humans were not substantiated by the European Food Safety Authority. The European Union now prohibits L-theranine health claims for humans. Abby says she wants to bottle frog hair and chicken lips to sell as a cure-all. She's sure we've become millionaires. She might be right. Knowing basic animal behavior is essential for anyone to become a good animal handler. Animal behaviorists and animal handlers are not synonymous, however. To be a good animal handler requires an ability to interpret animal actions, and they must possess the reflexes to respond in a timely, metered fashion appropriate to the situation, including the humane use of physical restraints. Some excellent animal handlers may only be able to describe normal animal behavior in colloquial language, while some excellent animal behaviorists may be less than average animal handlers. An animal behaviorist is trained in the investigation of how and why animals behave as they do. A certified animal behaviorist is a veterinarian with the best source of information on how to diagnose abnormal behavior and what corrective measures to prescribe. There are no state or federal regulations for people that claim to be an animal behaviorist or trainer. However, two governing bodies exist with the requirements for formal education and evidence of acquired knowledge and skills for veterinarians. The American College of Veterinary Behaviorists and the Animal Behavior Society. There's also a Society of Veterinary Behavior Technicians and an Academy of Veterinary Behavior Technicians that certifies veterinary technician specialists in animal behavior. For help with abnormal behavior in animals, contact the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists or the Academy of Veterinary Behavior Technicians. Now, let's recap the key points to remember from today's episode. Behavior problems can be caused by health problems. Stereotypic behaviors do not occur in nature, but often occur in animals kept in stressful environments. Nutraceuticals are not considered drugs and do not undergo governmental scrutiny. Unbiased scientific proof that they help with behavior problems is often non-existent. Abby says it's time to wrap up this episode. More information on animal handling is available in my book, Animal Handling and Physical Restraint, published by CRC Press. It's also available on Amazon and from many other fine book supply sources. Additional information is available at betteranimalhandling.com. Don't forget, serious injury or death can result from handling and restraining some animals. Safe and effective handling and restraint requires experience and continual practice. Acquisition of the needed skills should be under the supervision of an experienced animal handler. Thanks for listening. Abby and I hope you'll come back next week when I'll talk about containments for household and laboratory animals. Hey, Abby, that was a good dinner last night. What'd your fortune cookie say? Oh, you should host a podcast by yourself. That's funny. Mine said the same thing. (laughs) 